everybody, and thanks to another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that noise, because it is a fun little tune that means there's some fun poker wisdom on the way. I got to thank our friends at Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and website AMP. And I got to thank everybody who's here on the Wrecking Crew that you can find out by uh, about by going to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up because you're about to hear from them just now. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 on Poker Stars. And I am John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Keith Brandt, and I'm Monkey System and everywhere. Fun po- and I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. Well, uh, as you know, every week we get a chance to get together here and talk to some uh, fun folks in the world of poker. Um, this week I'm excited because it's Chad Holloway who's back on the show. Um, Chad, thank you so much. You're the man who needs no introduction. We're going to give you one in a second anyway, but uh, thanks for coming, man. It's great to see you. Yeah, thanks for the invite. It's always fun. I'll probably never say no because I really enjoy hopping on the horn and, and chatting with all you guys. Um, it's <laughs> fun to get together with people who love poker as much as the uh, rec poker guys do. So, ah, You said it, man. That's so sweet. I know you guys have a lot of fun over there, too, um, from one podcaster to another, right? That's uh, it, It's amazing. You've been doing this for a really long time. And you've kind of become one of the real poker insiders when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, one, th- I'm I'm definitely a newcomer, and so were a lot of the guys here. And one thing that took me by surprise was just how open the poker world was to people making room for themselves and help getting involved. And uh, uh, for some of our listeners, our more recent listeners that might not have heard before, can you talk a little bit about just like what your experience was like getting involved in the industry outside of as a player? Yeah, it's funny. I was just thinking about this uh, last week about my kind of evolution in poker as my 14th World Series of Poker is rapidly approaching, um, which to me, you know, I still feel relatively new in the poker world, but obviously I'm not. I've been around since uh, 2009 was my first WSOP. And it was about that time where I decided to try to break into the poker industry in a way I had dropped out of law school in 2008. Uh, I was going to Tulane in New Orleans, moved back to Wisconsin, not really sure what I was going to do with my life. Poker, uh, yeah, I enjoyed playing it, but I didn't have much of a bankroll. Um, And so I just kind of decided, can I take my love of poker and my skills of writing, which I've just kind of always been naturally good at, and combine the two? And found a couple online gigs, real small, just writing, basically writing for free and putting in my dues. That opened the door for me getting an internship with Bluff Magazine in 2009. Um, It was one of those things where I thought it was going to be a one-off. All right, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to work in the poker media. I'm going to get to meet my favorite players. And then I'll come back and and do something real, you know, get a real job, as as we call uh, call it. And uh, that's what I did. I went out there in 2009, came back and said, all right, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I dropped out of law school. I have a history degree and thought, all right, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to just go back. I'm going to student, I'm going to teach. I'm going to start teaching is what I'm going to do. So that's what I did. I took all my credits and I was doing student teaching when the 2010 WSOP rolled around. And I said, you know what? I still got that itch. Let me just throw out a flyer to poker news. And I had learned about poker news when I was there the year before they were the ones who do the live updates. Fortunately, they liked what I was doing. They gave me an opportunity and uh, the rest, as they say, is is history. Now, just real quick, I won't harp on this, but you mentioned about you know somebody who wanted to get into the industry, and I re- vaguely re- remember 
Uh, I can't remember everybody I hit up, but I went through all the magazines, all the websites, all the people who wrote about poker, who were in quote unquote poker media. And I sent them emails back then saying, hey, I'm looking to break into this industry. Can it be done? Do you have any recommendations? And largely the message I got back at the time was, yes, it can be done, but you shouldn't do it because it's going to be really, really hard to do it. And uh, fortunately, I still went against the grain and, and managed to make it work for myself because here I am in 2022 uh, still going strong and now serving as the executive editor for the United States for all of poker news. Wow. There you go, man. And it just goes to show, right? I mean, we had uh, Mike Patrick on the show a few weeks ago and we were like, so who do you, who do you talk to when you want to um, get, get involved? And he's like, well, you got to talk to the man himself. That, that, that's Chad Holloway over here at Poker News. And, like, it's just, it's amazing to watch your ascent um, as a recreational player. It's just, it's great. And um, I love the way you talk about just like, starting out making a way for yourself paying your dues uh putting time in and just like contributing to the poker world right that's how you show some value and get noticed and uh become someone that that other people want to work with right it's not easy and it takes time even when you're in the industry you got to start you got to learn the ropes and then you got to develop the relationships with the players the operators the casinos i've been doing this for for 14 wsops now i've got a lot of those relationships fortunately but i'm always working on that and um yeah, they, that, it just takes time in a lot of regards to establish yourself, not just in poker, in any pursuit, any industry that you do. If you're if you're looking to make a name for yourself, um, all you do is put your nose to the grindstone and work at it and build that following, build those fans, build that audience, whatever it may be. But if you stick with it, if you have the passion and love for the game, you know, I think it'll come. So Poker News, it does a lot of different things. You've got your fingers in a bunch of different projects all over the poker world. Um, WSOP is coming up. Obviously, that you know feels like a big deal. Does it stand out among sort of like the what, what you work on professionally, or are there other like really exciting contracts or or events that that make your eyebrows go up when you think about it? <laughs> well, there's no doubt that the WSOP is what our whole industry really revolves around. It's the sun at the center of the the poker universe, if you will. So for poker news, yeah, it's always on our radar. When we're finishing one up, we're almost planning the next one. We might take a month or two off, but, and I always tell people, and this harkens back to what we just spoke about, about opportunities in the poker world. The WSOP is really the place to start. You know, Mike Patrick, that's where he got his start. It's where I got my start. And that's because all these different poker companies, poker news included, usually have to bring on people in order to staff these events. Whereas outside the WSOP, we don't necessarily need as many people. And so WSOP is really where you get your foot in the door. And if you show up and prove that you can do good things and for poker news, you know, live reporting and writing ability and things like that, that then in turn can lead to other opportunities. We've got some guys right now who are about to fly over to Europe to Monaco for the EPT who started at this last WSOP and showed us, yeah, I've got what it takes. They do a good job. And so now they're finding other gigs. And that's exactly how I got started in the industry. So WSOP is definitely the biggest time of the year for us. We set our calendars to it. And then for any, you know, buddy who's wanting to break into the poker industry, whether that's the media side of things, dealing even, um, that's really the place to do it. And then uh, we kind of got Mike's perspective on what it's like on the ground in that environment. Last year was his first time uh, reporting at the at the World Series for you guys. Um, what's your day to day like um, it, during an event like that? Because obviously you've got different duties and different responsibilities. But like what, what's a typical day or a week like in that cycle for you? Yeah, my duties have certainly changed each and every year. It used to be I was just a live reporter, a grunt, if you will, a soldier on the ground. 
uh, doing those live updates, but now I'm more in a managerial role. Uh, so in addition to occasionally doing some live updates, I'm still writing news stories as they happen. I'm still overseeing the, you know, one of several people who oversee the team, making sure everything's going off without a hitch. There's a lot of logistics behind the scenes when it comes to live reporting, you know, making sure the seat draws, the ID cards, all of that is in order. And then really it's morphed into this, uh, just a point of contact with the World Series of Poker or with other sponsors, uh, with players, if there's issues or anything, you know, a lot of people associate me with poker news at this point. And so they come to me with these questions, concerns, whatever they might be. So a lot of it is just handling that, making sure things like that get sorted, you know, players coming up saying, hey, can you update my photo on my player profile and things like that? I mean, we we really do it all and uh, it, we want it to be all about the players. Um, we know that you know, if they want their, their poker fame, their poker spotlight, poker news and those live updates is a great way to do it. So we're just trying to do our best for for players, for fans, and then, of course, for the World Series and other partners. Uh, you said it, man. Well, um, talk about doing a lot of different things. And I should say, if, if you're watching this on YouTube right now and everyone can come in, uh, we do these live now every week on YouTube. If uh, you see Chris drop out and the YouTube thing crash, that's because Chris has been losing power and he's the one producing the stream right now. So the audio on the podcast will probably continue. But just in case, if you're if you're over there and you see his drop out, now you know why. Um, so speaking about doing all these different things, I mean, it's not just the reporting blog. It's not just the fun community that you've built of people uh, around poker news. Um, talk about the podcast a little bit and uh, how that's sort of evolved and uh, your role with that and what you enjoy about that. Yeah, the Poker News podcast has been around for a long time, and it started even before I was part of it. Um, at one point, Donnie Peters and Rich Ryan, who are no longer with Poker News, they were right. they were kind of helming it, and uh, I was kind of the third wheel, if you uh -huh. will. And and I remember doing shows with them and just feeling like I wasn't very good at it. I remember getting off, you know, after the recording, thinking, "Man, I just that was not good. I was I'm not very pleased with that." And so tried to put an effort into being better at podcasting, if you will, and listening to other podcasts, both in and out of the poker industry to see what people are doing and just getting more comfortable with it. And then when I was working for the Mid-States Poker Tour, the MSPT, which I'm sure a lot of your audience is familiar with, um, I was also doing some side work with Poker News. And it was around that time, me and Jamie Kerstetter started the LFG podcast, which was a podcast that was devoted to really the mid-majors. We didn't care about Phil Ivey or Phil Hellmuth. We wanted to talk about, you know, winners on the MSBT, the run good, the WSOP circuits and things like that. And it was a big success. We were nominated for podcast of the year in our first, uh, first year, which was exciting. Um, unfortunately, it fell to the wayside when there were some changes within the company. Jamie went on to do her another podcast. And then I got bumped into kind of being full, more full-time on the Poker News podcast, along with Sarah Herring. Um, and that's just been a blast. I look forward to it each and every week. Um, I actually usually do the you know recording. I edit the show, put it out on the platforms. And it's been fun because I am not a very technical guy. So to learn a new craft, if you will, a new trade and these new skills, um, that's been very rewarding. And it's just um, you guys know you do it. It's fun just to get together with friends and, and talk poker. And um, yeah, there's one thing about the written word, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. But for me, the Poker News podcast is the exposure part of it almost where you get to interact with, you know, other people that you work with, interact with players you're interviewing and then interact with fans who might get involved as well. Yeah, that's definitely been one thing that I've loved, loved, loved about doing the podcast here and being on the panel back when Steve was running it. Um, just 
the, again, like, kind of like I said before, the sense of just how friendly and open the poker world is, you know, I think there's, uh, there's just a lot of great people here that um, uh, people might not, people might not credit. It's, it's just easier than you think to strike up, strike up a conversation with a fun person. Um, so that, that's a real plus. Uh, I am terrified at the notion of having to do all the mechanical aspects of it in post-production. We've got a team here that helps out with all that kind of stuff, like Roger Schutte and Diego and uh, Chris and Mark and a bunch of other folks that get very involved. Um, but it does sound nice getting to hang out with uh, Sarah all the time. She's super fun. Um, tell us one bad thing about her, please. <laughs> Sarah is uh, fantastic. We actually came into Poker News at the same time in 2010 was both our first years. Um, she's been there throughout. Uh, I did leave for a few years to work for the MSPT kind of had a footprint with poker news though throughout. And so we're kind of the two longest tenured people. We're more friends than just work colleagues, you know, at this point yeah. I've gotten to see her, um, go from, you know, traveling the world, enjoying a bottle of wine, going out to the nightclubs. She loved to party for a little bit. And now she is, you know, a mother of two, married, living in Texas. She still likes to have a little party every once in a while, but it's just been fun to see that transition. And uh, uh, gosh, I really don't have too much to say about uh, bad about Sarah. <laughs> like she's everybody loves Sarah. Um, she has this knack to get people to open up to her. Um, and I guess if you know, if I have any complaint, it's just that I don't get to see her as much as I used to. And that's because we're both, we used to go from traveling around the world together, you know, we'd be at different stops to now we're both kind of in managerial roles. We don't have mm -hmm. to travel as much. Mm -hmm. And we and her have talked about this. Like we don't want to travel as much anymore at this point in our lives, you know, especially with her being in family, but we're both pushing 40. Um, it was fun, but living out of a suitcase for more than half the year, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. There were some of the best years of my life. But now I'm a little more selective. I don't want to have to, you know, there was one month years ago where I was home for literally 12 hours. The whole month I was literally home for 12 hours to do laundry, see the dogs, and then back to the airport. And while it was fun, it was an adventure. Um, yeah, I'm not, not sure I'm quite up for that those days anymore. And I think Sarah's right there with me in that regard. Yeah, well, there's something great about having some adventures in the rearview mirror that you could just get to like sort of like look at from time to time from the comfort <laughs> of today you know uh chris or john do you guys have anything for uh for Jack? yeah i i have a just a quick question uh you know kind of thinking about you know you're no stranger obviously you just talked about sort of living out of a suitcase going to a new site and a new venue and like you know kind of taking it in and preparing to do some reporting there but talk me through what the challenges are uh in thinking about the WSOP this year in a new site like does that is that just the same as going to like you know Prague or you know or, or is is there something different about like planning for a WSOP at an entirely different venue there's definitely been challenges so at this point in my life the WSOP is in Vegas is like a second home right I've been doing it for 14 years now I've got a routine I get in you know I don't I don't stay in a hotel anymore I need an Airbnb where I can have it you know like a home and laundry and a kitchen and, and all that jazz but there are challenges knowing that it's not going to be at the real this year which has just been a given for for so long since I even got into it and so we get asked questions about it. Unfortunately, we don't have answers because the WSOP hasn't provided them yet. You know, I don't know about the parking situation. Believe me, it's on our mind. I'm going to have a car out there. So uh, people asking, when should I plan to leave if I don't want to miss the start of day two? 
I don't really know yet. Uh, so there are those unanswered questions. There are a few things that I have, um, my years in Vegas have taught me. For instance, you know, the new site is east of the Strip, whereas the Rio was always on the west. So if you're looking to get a place for the summer, you might want to consider getting one east of the Strip so you don't have to worry about that traffic of going back and forth. Um, learn other things. You know, the tram drops off at Bally's, the monorail that they have there. I don't know the specifics of it, but people should be thinking about that sort of thing. Parking, yes, it's going to be an issue. It's probably going to be a headache and nightmare. But on the flip side, there's going to be some positives, such as a lot more restaurant options, um, a lot more foot traffic from fans on the street. I hope they're out there advertising here. Here's the World Series of Poker. Come on in and check it out. Maybe your average Joe from Iowa sits down with $300 just so he could say he played in a WSOP uh, you know, tournament or cash game. So I think there's going to be pros and cons. Until we actually get there, both Poker News and the players, I think it's hard to going to be to grasp. We're doing what we can. We know what the setup's going to be, um, you know, where certain tournaments might take place, and we'll plan our, our reporting around that. But still a lot of unanswered questions. Now, I will say this real quick. I've been there. I, when we first heard there was a rumor that it was going to be at Bally's in Paris, I was in Vegas, and I went down there because I wanted to see firsthand and I've done 13 WSOPs at the Rio. It was great. I loved it. I was concerned that this new venue, this new setup might be able to might be able to do the job. But I can tell you, I'm confident in saying that it will. I think people are going to like it. The space was beautiful. It was large. The, you know, the restrooms are plentiful, whereas at the Rio, they weren't. There's just a lot that I liked about what I was seeing. And I, for one, am very excited about a new change. Nice. Yeah, we've uh, had a few people asking if we're doing a rec poker house this year. And sort of for the same reason, it's like, let's just see how it goes this year. What the where is the right place to be? And, you know, um, so I think we'll probably just hopefully have a bunch of rec poker members meeting in the streets and uh, battling it out on the felt. Uh, but yeah, this will be a fun it'll be a fun year to see how it goes. First, first things, first times are hard, right? It's hard to do something uh, for the first time. All sorts of things can go wrong. <laughs> Yeah. And just, I, I think it as a new chapter, right? The world series used to be at Binion's and that chapter closed and it opened up the more modern era at the Rio. And now that chapter is kind of closing and we're opening a new one, which is to me, very exciting. Um, this is, I haven't experienced it before. You know, when I first started in 2009, it was at the Rio and stuff. And so, yes, I know there's going to be a lot of people complaining. It's only natural. Uh, even if it was still at the Rio, there would be people complaining about certain things. So I just tell people, <laughs> you know, be patient, plan accordingly, and give it a fair shake. I, I think overall it's going to be a really good thing for the World Series of Poker and for uh, the poker industry in general. Yeah, I can't wait to get down there. John? Well, I, I think this is a good uh, follow-up to that conversation. My question is about your most infamous tweet. This was the tweet that you gave about uh, leaving the Rio for after the last WSOP. And I, I'll read it quickly for everyone, and then I'll let you comment, Chad. Goodbye to the hashtag WSOP at Rio. Since my first visit in 2009, I estimate I've spent one and a half to two years of my life actually inside these walls. It's where I won my bracelet, lost my virginity, met my first wife, and met the woman I'd leave her for before meeting my second wife. So many memories. So how much of this is true? And uh, was it really fun writing that? Well, as to how much of it is true, uh, the probably only well, two parts are true. 
Um, I have probably spent about a year and a half to two years of my life inside the Rio when you consider all the hours I've, I've been in there. And then, of course, it's where I did win my World Series of Poker bracelet, which is, uh, you know, a special memory. Uh, the rest, no, I've never been married. Um, and it was... <laughs> It was strange to write it because I was, it was when I left the world series last year, um, I was actually changing planes in Denver on my way back to Wisconsin. It was early in the morning and I had taken that picture the day before. Um, and I thought everybody's doing these goodbye tweets from the Rio. I should do something as well, but I don't want it to be too serious. You know, it's just a quick, fun goodbye. So I wrote out this tweet and without really much thought, I just was trying to be funny. And I almost didn't send it. I almost was like, eh, I don't think people are going to get this. Like, they'll let me just do oh, No, Okay, let me send. And I just hit send <laughs> kind of not thinking about it. Um, and then within 90 seconds, I think it was, um, I can't remember his name offhand, but somebody some big sports journalist with like a million followers, um, I think from ESPN or something, he found it and quote retweeted it. Um, I don't know how he found it. He doesn't follow me on Twitter. I don't follow him on Twitter. He must've been just searching world series of poker WSOP at that exact moment. So maybe it was kismet, but he retweeted it and then it just caught fire. It was the, the, by far my biggest performing tweet. And it was fun just to watch the responses, uh, roll in over the next 48 hours or so. Cause I guess the way it's written, it was driving people. It was, you know, it was a brain teaser for them. Like, wait, how many women is he talking about here? Um, and, and then it was fun to see people who thought it was true. And some people calling me, you know, a disgusting human being because of and, and I, it's Twitter. It's social media. I learned to not take it too serious a long time ago. Um, but it was it was a lot, a lot of fun. And it's still one I get, you know, asked about like here and occasionally out of the blue, somebody will like retweet it on Twitter still because they'll have found their way to it. So <laughs> I know Chris has one question, but I can't take that segue. I can't not take it. Um, another thing that was super fun. I got to give you guys major props for the poker news uh, bit you did for, uh, for April fools this year. Uh, just Purely, I mean, it was really well orchestrated. It was really well executed. And you guys really leaned into that. You committed to Tid to that bit. Um, so who does the world have to thank for putting that together? And tell us a little bit about putting that together. Yeah, it's 100% my good friend and colleague, Jesse Fullen. He's the community manager and does social media for Poker News. Last year, he did a April Fool's prank with Chris Moneymaker. That Moneymaker wasn't his real last name. It oh, was I Chris remember that. Smith. And uh, he, he's friends with Chris Moneymaker. So Moneymaker played along. It was a big hit. And so he wanted to top it this year. And he had this idea several months ago about Doug Polk buying poker news and changing it to poker. And it he, he put in a lot of effort. Uh, he got the tech team on board to change the logo to actually yeah. change. He got pokernews.com so that it rerouted it. And then we just brainstormed as a team. So I said, you know, we'll change all of the front page articles to Doug Polk related articles. They changed all the advertisement to Doug Polk related, you know, upswing poker and his wife's uh, self tanning line and things like that. And then to top it all off, we got Doug Polk on board. Um, he, he did some videos, created some videos to sell it. Plus it just so happened that me, Jesse and John Sofen, uh, a writer for us, were down in Texas for what we called Texas week, we did a Texas road trip and we were at the lodge in Austin. And so I had some FaceTime with Doug Polk and I said, let's do a video that I can release on my personal social media to try to help sell this even more. So yeah, we went full, full blown with it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and the whole team, it was just 
a very big morale booster for the entire team to get behind this and, and to help solve the jokes. The, the the video on your account is the one that put me over the top. Twelve years. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's gonna right. it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for us to top next year's April yeah. Fools, but yeah, okay. uh, we'll, I'm sure Jesse will try. Yeah. Well, kudos, kudos to the whole team there. All right. Thanks for giving me a second, Chris. Jump in. Yeah, no, Chad, kind of shifting gears, we have a question from one of our listeners, um, Jim Gibson, um, and he, yeah, it's very topical because it's kind of a, a big news story today or kind of, I guess, Twitter news, I guess is what you'd call it. But um, he, he writes, I was really surprised with what I've read from Alex Foxen and the cheating he has brought up toward Ali and Surovich and poker. Uh, what is your perspective on this? And I guess maybe my kind of follow up to this is like, how do you at Poker News approach things like this, which are sort of in the kind of zeitgeist, but they're not like confirmed. They're, it's sort of like there's some innuendo out there. There's some accusations, but there's nothing like really concrete that you can sort of like, how do you approach these kinds of situations? Yeah, it's an interesting one. In general, it's the whole, you know, kind of like a court of law. It's not what you know, it's what you can prove. Uh, and that goes for what we can write about and talk about at Poker News. We have a certain level of due diligence that we have to do. We don't want to open ourselves up to, you know, any kind of liability. We do have a legal department and things like that. So it has to pass, you know, the journalistic test um, without speaking, I guess, too specific, you know, keeping that in mind. There are a lot of things out there, perhaps, or, or, you know, the recent story you just mentioned that has been on my radar for a while. Um, but unfortunately it's just one of those things where we, what can I do with it? Unless I have somebody who's willing to talk about it on the record, unless I have evidence or proof that I can write about and cite, it's just all accusations and innuendo that unfortunately from a journalistic standpoint, we can't really dive into now, occasionally with poker news, we'll have when it's a subject, maybe not quite as serious as this one you just mentioned, but some other subjects, for instance, most recently, like all American Dave, um, you know, and saying he wouldn't be at the world series. Whenever some, there's a big thing like that, where there's a bunch of social media around it, we'll do a series we call the muck. And the muck is basically us saying, here's what's happening on social media. Here are the responses to it without us weighing in. If you will, we're not really doing any investigating. We're not, uh, you know, having to make a determination one way or the other. We're just saying, here's what's happening on social media. Here are the reactions to it. Now, could we do that with something like Fox's tweet? Yeah, I guess technically, but we, you know, with something like that, that's very serious. We want to have a high standard yeah. before we, we dive into it. Now I can tell you this as well. Um, when there are stories like this, believe me, when I say me or some of my colleagues, do look into it. Like we reach out, we try to work the sources. We try to get people to see if they'll come on and, and talk to us or talk on the record. Some stories, a little teaser, maybe one later this week on poker news, I'm able to get across the line, if you will, where I can report it and have all my bases covered. There have been many stories where we've put a lot of time and effort into it. And unfortunately um, we have, you know, we might have a lot of circumstantial evidence, but we don't have the smoking gun. And in those instances, I, you know, I tell my team, I'm sorry, like we can't do it. We just, we don't have the murder weapon, so we can't proceed without, you know, with this trial, so to speak. So um, it's always a tricky line, but believe me, we always do try to, uh, to dive into it when we can. And in the instance that you just mentioned, all I can say is, you know, the, the high stakes poker community, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that 
the they kind of police themselves or a lot of them i don't know why but they don't speak on the record about it um you know you've seen fox and in one of his tweets somebody said can you provide proof and he said no not really i'm sure there's things out there that they can but a lot of them just don't want to open up there's a lot of you know i, I don't even know politics involved a lot of bankroll and and backing situations involved you know the games might die if some people are outed or what i don't know the exact specifics i just know that from my perspective it's not an easy egg to crack i appreciate that nuanced response because i think you know you've got different obligations to different parts of your audience too right like some people want to hear what people are speculating about and uh, you know what might be going on and like trying to make their own opinion but i really like to see that actual journalistic integrity um, when it comes to reporting itself and you know, I think some people listening might feel like we're, uh, you know, we're talking about poker news, but it's doing it right is doing it right. And, you know, there's there's the, the rigor that you take for your actual reporting and journalism is impressive. So kudos. Man. Well, I appreciate it. But it's also like all media and I get the overall debate on media in general in today's society. Look, there are advertisers, there's sponsors involved and, and things like that for any news organization and, and poker news is, is no exception. And so that does certainly play a role in things and in things that we sometimes do write about and how we can proceed when we write them. But for the most part, yes, I always try to, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a journalist by trade either. You know, I've learned a lot of what I've done as I've went. I didn't, uh, you know, I studied history when I was in, in college and then a little bit you know, I have a little bit of a law background from my time in law school um, and then getting a teaching degree. Like I never was trained in journalism itself. And so it is this fine line of I don't really consider myself a journalist in full heartedly, certainly one aspect of it. But another aspect is content producer. Right? I Sometimes I'm just there's content that has to be be made. And so it's just this juggling and it varies from story to story or situation to situation, but uh, it's certainly something I have to contend with quite frequently. Yeah, I bet. Um, well, I'll let our members uh, type another question in. I know we're going to let you go shortly. Uh, Jim Gibson says, uh, thanks for your take. Much appreciated. Um, so one question I've got then, just almost like logistically speaking, you you must spend a lot of your time kind of deciding how to talk about some of this stuff that's off the record or that you don't have, you know, sourced to, to your, your rigorous standards. Um, how do you record that information in a way that'll make it accessible to you later when you do get to corroborate it? And like, it, is there a, a trick to sort of not having just, just like constantly be evaluating what you're saying in public and what you're not like, that's how, that just sounds like a stressful state to find yourself in. Well, as far as like stories go, um, I try to do it year by year, if you will. So I've got folders on my desktop where I just try to stay organized, right? So put uh, if a story is completed, I, well, fortunately we have poker news. Really, and that's a, my library system. When it does make it to print, there it is. It's going to be archived there. So it makes it a lot easier to find. And then for the stories that aren't, yeah, it's just basically filing them under the right folder. I have, you know, files for every single casino partner we work with the tours and, and things like that and that's more than just stories it's keeping communication contracts all sorts of things so i um, mean that harkens back to when i first got into the industry i literally and i still have some of them in my file cabinet upstairs i had a file cabinet with manila folders and they had either the players names or the tour or the events written on this and i had hundreds of folders because of what i would do would get 
I would be, I would get card player magazine and all these bluff magazine and other magazines that were around at the time. And I would read them and then I would clip them, you know? So if I found a story about uh, Daniel Negreanu, I would clip it and I would put it in that folder so that I could easily reference it. You know, and this was back in 2007, eight, nine, when I was really trying to break into the industry um, in Google and the stories weren't as easily accessible or you couldn't find them as easy. So that's a little outdated, but it still just has evolved a little bit into uh, to what I do now. That's awesome. Uh, we do got one final question from Janice. Uh, Chad, when you're not working or playing poker, uh, do you have any interesting hobbies? Or, or, you know, they might be boring hobbies and Chad just thinks they're interesting. We don't know yet. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, I am a, it's pretty well noted, I think, other than I'm a kind of a comic book geek. Um, I did a poker themed comic book in 2015, the World Series of Zombies, WSOZ, about a zombie outbreak at the w, uh, WSOP. And uh, so I've always been a comic book guy since I was a kid and um, I collect. Uh, I used to, in my background now, it's more professional, but it used to be like my room, which featured some of my collection. I got way too much stuff. Uh, <laughs> and so one of my hobbies when I'm not traveling is uh, sometimes we'll go to comic conventions and actually set up as like a vendor. Uh, and so I've got a very small secret life as a comic vendor okay. in the Midwest. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of funny because they don't know about my poker life for the most part, or some of them are just starting to find out about it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of fun. I, I still enjoy the comic book stuff. What a great answer. Um, well, yeah, Keith uh, says congratulations on your final uh, table appearance last month in MSPT Riverside. That was just there we go. Yeah, it was real quick. That was so much fun. And I think a lot of people might appreciate the story that are that are listening was. Uh, so this was the MSPT Riverside $1,100 buy in tournament 1094 runners. Um, I made it to day two on one bullet. I there we had to lose like I don't know three tables before the money, and I lost half my chips. Looks like it looked like I wasn't going to make the money. Held on to eventually make the money, and then just waited. And you know I think 107 got paid or what something like that. Anyways, just kind of hung around. Eventually, if you hang around long enough, you usually find hit your stride. And I hit my stride with like 45 people left. Built up a big stack. It was great but then went card dead and started mm -hmm. to lose. And I, we were approaching the final, uh, the final three table redraw. So the top 27 players, and I was super short and I thought, man, if I could just make it to the tw top 27, it's like a $1,500 pay jump. Let me try to do that. I managed to do it. And I'm not even joking from 27 all the way to where I eventually finished in fifth place. I was below half the average stack that entire run. I just was card dead, would get really short and then manage to find a double. And then that would keep me alive. And so the point I'm making about this is um, ICM, your chips are so valuable in these tournaments, especially deep at just surviving. There are many spots where I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is a coin flip, but I'm still going to fold because I, I, these chips are too valuable. I'm not just going to flip. I'm going to make sure I get it in really good. Uh, and then, yeah, I ended up finishing in fifth place uh, for about 50,000. And that was about the best result that I could hope for, because as I said, I was so short that I was just outlasting all these other short stacks. And then when we got to, you know, the five, the other four players just had millions and millions in chips and I, I had nothing, anything can happen. I didn't win the hand, but anyways, yeah, that was, that was certainly a, a fun run. And just 
it, it, usually you might be disappointed with a fifth place finish, but as I just described the circumstances, I felt like I won the tournament. Like how I, I was aiming to get cash out for 4,000 and all of a sudden I found myself in fifth for 50,000. It was like a win. So that, that's amazing. Chad it just goes to show folks, don't be afraid of playing that short stack. You don't, don't get desperate and, and feel like you just got to shove it in because you got one high card. Um, lots of people are left that can make really stupid mistakes. <laughs> you, you don't know. Let them stick around and let them. You never know. Fold your way to success. Um, in fact, that's that's the theme of the month here at Rec Poker is final tables and ICM and it's kind of uh, letting your opponents make more mistakes than you and worse mistakes than you. That's kind of playing defense when it comes to it. So uh, good timing for that. Well, Chad, where can folks find you if they do want to reach out, if they want to be titillated about cartoons <laughs> or getting more involved in uh, poker news or just want to hang out with a fun guy and talk poker? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, Twitter is by far the best way to interact or get a hold of me. And I'm at Chad A. Holloway. A is my middle initial. So at Chad A. Holloway. I'm also on Instagram, disco underscore Chad. That is usually my online screen name uh, dating way back when is disco Chad, uh, disco underscore Chad. It's also what my friends call me when I when I drink too much and disco Chad comes out because he <laughs> likes to dance and have a good time. So. Well, thanks. Uh, maybe we'll meet up with Disco Chad down in uh, Vegas this summer. You never know. Fingers crossed. I will be there. I look forward to seeing anybody who's out there, all of you guys and anybody else listening. Uh, make sure you come say hi. We'll be there. Poker News will be out in full force. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you again, Chad. That's wonderful. Well, John Somsey's going to take us through some of the home game results. And um, if you want to get involved with um, getting getting together with Disco Chad down in Vegas, buy John Somsky a beer. And then take a photograph or get a friend to take a photograph of you buying John Somsky a beer. Email me for that photograph, jim at rec.poker. And then uh, when we meet up in Vegas, I'll buy you a beer. And the circle of beer continues. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. John does a lot of amazing work behind the scenes here. And the guy deserves a beer. So make it happen, folks. Make it happen, Rec Poker Nation. John, how are you feeling? Thirsty? Yeah, I actually did have a beer this weekend, but I bought it for myself. Well, send me a photograph. Oh, you, uh, you already drank it. Yeah, it's already. Yeah, oh, man. Sorry. So you've got the opportunity for like the free roll of a lifetime now. Think about it. Yeah, I didn't oh, know wow. you could take selfies with beers and just get beer upon beer. That seems. <laughs> you know, actually, and I think my iPhone has one of those rapid fire thing. I could probably in a second get like three, four thousand pictures. One photo per beer. I'm putting <laughs> that stipulation in the contract immediately. But I, honestly, how would you like know it's, it's the same beer? <laughs> I don't have serial numbers. That's true. That's true. And you're very good at holding a pose. We know that historically. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, maybe I've opened a real can of worms here. We'll see. It sounds like a good problem to have, though, for me. Have to buy oh. John Domsky a ton of beers and drink them with him. Speaking of some good things, we had the Mixed Game Championship Series held on Wednesday, April 13th. And Graphic 16, Roger Shoot. Yeah, won his very first mixed game series of the year. Roger, was that the the Saturday night or the Wednesday night? Wednesday night, the big boy, the yeah. real one, exactly for the point. Wow, Roger Shooty, one of our outstanding members of the Dream Team here, who does all sorts of work with the podcast uh, post production. Way to go, Roger! You deserve that. So, have you say Shooty? Have you confirmed that the the E is pronounced? I have personally confirmed it with Roger. Okay, uh, I will the same space. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was shoot. Well, someone else who has a similar spelling says that their name is shoot, which is why that's why I assumed that was the case. But you know, if Roger says his name is shooty, then it's the name shooty. 
I just immediately blamed you and threw you right under the bus. Uh, it took like one microsecond. And I was like, oh, that's all John's fault. John's been saying, shoot, that jerk. You know, he just has no yeah. respect for people's personal identity. Um, but yeah, well, Roger I, Sheedy, another guy that you should buy a beer world if you see him out there. I'm sure he is not the first nor the last person whose name I will mispronounce. <laughs> Next, we have B-Chip, Charles Allen, won his second nightly victory for the year. Yes, Charles, nice. John Lancer, John Vensky, got his, uh, won the Daily TOC victory, Tournament of Champions. That means he gets a silver pin. Uh, and he's like winning every other tournament we do these days. You, you're mentioning John Lancer twice a week up here. I know. People, it's weird the way they just kind of go on streaks. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything John, starts going right for him. Or they just start showing up, maybe. Uh, <laughs> April 12th, Frogman Rick, Rick Day. When his yeah. first nightly event for the like year. So many of my favorite people on the show this week. MN Ted, Philip Fuhrer, got yeah. his first nightly victory for the year. Bloop <laughs> seven, shared, Mark. He shared it with everybody on Cards Chat, too, over Twitter. That was Philip uh, putting a fun tweet out there. He's such a fun guy. Yeah, well, he's, and he's won some other ones recently, too. So he's uh, constantly in the mix. I think he's in the top, in the running for some of the points leagues. Or maybe uh, like, that's on Annie up. I don't remember. Uh, now, I know you, now we have to interrupt you because we have been interrupting you much over the last little while. Um, you're currently leading the standings in the player of the year race, John. Poker Geek M. N. Somsky, uh, if I am correct. Did you? Yeah, I think so. Am I? Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm right behind you, chasing at your ankles. But oh. um, I think you are sitting up on top there. So congratulations so far. I mean, it's only April, but we'll, we'll see. He's the yeah. Marek champion. My God, I mean, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that. This guy knows poker, apparently. Well, you know, um, that has proven that the worst player can win. <laughs> That'd be me. If you've seen any of John's promo videos for Marek Madness, you know that he's the most de- self-deprecating person in the world, and all he does is just bink tournaments. So congratulations, John. Way to go, man. Well, you know, the the best part of the whole thing was that I heard that my promo videos gave Chris Joan nightmares. <laughs> so that is really, I mean, more so than winning Marek Madness, it was knowing that it was nightmare-inducing. okay it was it was (laughs) now we are uh i think uh bloop seven mark bloomberg got his third Uh, nightly victory for the year digging eight graves chris simanu got his third nightly victory for the year isn't my spike when the daily mixed event max chaos 21 12 greg clem Won the yeah. first international event of the day and his third for the year. And then Keck Geek Senior, Mark Tiki, huh. won his first international event for the year. Nice. And last but not least, M. Babker, Michael Babker, won his second daily LPP event. So he can contact Jim at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. That's right. So do email me, Jim at rec.poker, and I'll get you a code to give you that free month. You don't want to miss that. And um, one thing I got to say, I noticed I was scrolling through Twitter this week, and I noticed one of our premium members, Eric Romo, who goes by GF Hawk in the home games, 
he placed second in one of the mixed games uh, that we did. I don't know. I don't know if it was the monthly mixed game. I think it might have been. And I just want to congratulate Eric Romo for placing second in that mixed game tournament because Eric is a no limit hold'em player, and he prefers no limit hold'em. And he and I communicate with some regularity about how, you know, it would be nice if we could play a no limit hold'em game every night of the month and not take that one night off and only play the mixed game. And I've been telling him, Eric, give it a try, man. You'll love mixed games. We're trying to do more mixed games. I'm like you. I love no limit hold'em. I'm trying to expand my own horizon and do more mixed game stuff. Give it a try. And I didn't hear from him a couple months. And now he's second place in the freaking mixed game tournament. So I feel like, Eric, thank you so much for taking a step and trying something new and putting yourself out there. And also, thank you for sharing your feedback with me and being honest about what, what you like and what you want to see more of and what you want to see less of. Um, I think we really, we had some fun there, man. So I'm so excited. I hope Eric goes on to win a mixed game bracelet and we'll all be a part of his story um, when he's standing there on the podium in the WSOP <laughs> in a couple of years. So, Eric, thank you for that. And uh, that was a real gift to see that on, on Twitter. So I appreciate that. All right. So what else? Uh, let me see. Our schedule is all different now because we're doing these live. Um, but we've got the book study coming up on Wednesday, uh, Rob. And you must be getting pretty close to working on the next um, installment. Uh, well, yeah, we have uh, one more session. That'll be this Wednesday. And we should be done with beating... Um, small stake strategies for beating small stakes poker tournaments. Um, it'll be a quick one this time. There's not much left in the book to go over. Um, so hopefully we'll just have a nice discussion about what we've learned. Then the Twitter poll has finalized and the book has been chosen. In game strategy by Dara O'Carney, Dara O'Carney will be our next book study and we'll be starting that um the first wednesday of may that is a really worthwhile book to study too that's that's gonna be that's gonna be good yeah and it fits in with what our theme is going to be in may also so i mean it's perfect book for that yep yep that's fantastic. Um, he's done so much great stuff, and obviously he's a friend of the show, and, and Dara is a member of the Wrecking Crew. He even contributes to our uh, learning material here every month. Um, so I can't wait to uh, uh, get our, get elbows deep in that. Um, thanks, Rob, for all the work. And if folks don't know, Rob prepares like slides for these. He really guides the group through the book uh, chapter by chapter. Um, he, he, he knows what he's talking about in advance, um, but, but we all kind of learn it together through these group sessions and we just go every two weeks. It gives you time to read them in between. And, uh, this would be a good time to get involved. If we're starting a new book, even if you don't make it to the first session, the first session is usually just sort of like a, let's talk about how we're going to go through the book and, you know, and give yourself an extra two weeks to pick it up. And, um, you know, it's the end of April now. If you become a premium member in time to join the new book for Dara in May, you will probably still be a premium member on June 1st. And that will mean that you get to have your name drawn from all the other premium members who are active on June 1st. And we're going to pull one name and that person is going to have the chance to be uh, my partner as in the tag team event number 55 on uh, June 26th. So you'll have about three weeks to figure out how you're going to get yourself down to Vegas and where you're going to sleep. But if you can get to that all taken care of, um, I'll put up your entry 
and you and I will go win a tag team event for Rec Poker. Get a couple of bracelets. And then we can alternate, you know, each get one bracelet or you can have two at Christmas and I'll get two at New Year's or something like that. We'll have some fun figuring that out. And Chris and Taylor have confirmed that you do not have to take turns sitting in each other's uh, lap. You actually get to walk away from the table when your partner is playing. So I think it'll be a much more comfortable scenario than what I was originally envisioning. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that too. <laughs> I think your the one you were envisioning would have far fewer entries. <laughs> I think that's probably, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> probably easier to win a bracelet that Yeah, I too. think that, that <laughs> one might be like that's like bracelet hunting right there. <laughs> <laughs> they should do one of those, like an endurance one where there's like, I don't know piranhas biting at your ankles and you know just things that annoy you while you're playing yeah that's right okay well now now we've got a new asterisk uh, format to introduce in 2023 <laughs> <laughs> um, so chris you're changing how we do things at rec poker um we've got a monthly theme each month now and i know folks are going to get a chance to check out some new features on the website over may and june um and over the summer as we get it all perfect but uh, what are some monthly themes coming up and how are you looking forward to exploring them? Yeah, we're kind of dipping our toe in the water here. We're going to really take uh, a, the big plunge for this probably starting in June. In May, we're going to kind of work on some of our, our preflop ranges and some of that kind of thing. But then starting into June, we're going to start looking at um, sea bedding in position in single raised pots. That'll be kind of our month of June. And then July, it'll be sea bedding out of position in single raised pots. Um, and those, those months will kind of go together. We'll spend a lot of time as a community talking about them. Um, we'll focus on the, the kind of the seminar around that. And we're going to change the name of this to be called the deep dive. So it'll be called the, the rec poker deep dive each month that'll be what you'll look for um you'll see it highlighted on the on the the new website which we're also working on building trying to have that kind of launch in june but so we'll be starting to talk about these so when you hear the deep dive that's what we're talking about it's going to be talking about these these monthly themes that we're going to explore as a community it's going to be sweet and um if you're not a premium member like i say use code rec poker and sign up for five bucks and uh, get involved or just enjoy all our free stuff. Come hang out on the YouTube channel on Monday nights when we do the podcast. We've got some really exciting guests coming up. You can ask them questions one-to-one -one right here. Um, get involved with our Discord channel. There's some great uh, channels there uh, railing when we do live events. Um, obviously, a lot of hand history reviews. Um, the forums at Rec Poker are phenomenal. There's a lot of great stuff. Mark uh, Website Mark's always working on ways to make the forums more exciting and easier to, to share information and that sort of thing. So yeah, give us a try. And um, is there anything else any of y'all want to bring up before we roll on oh, out of here? Well, just one thing you mentioned, uh, episodes uh, coming up uh, next week. If you are tuning in live, um, that is going to be an early episode. It's going to be point, at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. And that's with the one and only David Lappin. Yeah. We're going to uh, talk about poker writing, uh, playing, drinking tequila, making fun of Dara O'Kearney. Um, there's going to be a lot of fun happening. That'll be uh, next week at 3.30 Eastern. Come and join us live or uh, listen along when it comes out in audio. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, our sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and Website Amp. Uh, everyone in the chat, Denise and Jim and Martha, Mod Grinder, and uh, Keith, John, Rob, Chris, and of course, Chad Holloway. And you, the listeners, you're the best.